Sam Dillon is the vocalist for Sydney sludge band Low, who will be playing as part of the Sydney leg of Progfest on January 27th at the Factory Theatre. They released their last album, Vestigial, at the end of 2017. Sam, thank you so much for chatting to me. Yeah, pleasure's all mine, mate. Let's fire away. What, what would you like to know? What would you like to pick my brain about? <laughs> so a bunch of things. But first off, um, with all bands that have kind of been less than 10 years old, I like to kind of get an idea of when did they start. So how did, um, how did Lowe come about? Uh, well, Lowe was the brainchild of Carl, our guitarist, and he quickly recruited Adrian Griffin on drums and Adrian Shapiro as the bass player. Uh, I joined after their second album that they'd released as the vocalist when Jamie steps aside after their tour they did in Europe with uh, Cold of Luna and The Ocean. So uh, I had some shoes to fill just because they were uh, quite professional about how they were doing. They're very productive in, in how they go about recording and their aesthetic they keep. So it was it was a great uh, learning curve to go from my previous band, Snakes Get Bad Press, straight into uh, a sludge genre. Uh, that was, I would think it was a while now. I've been with the guys for, say, four years, uh, but they've existed for another two, three before that. In, ter- in terms of you as a vocalist, how did you first get your start? Like, wh- when do you first start? Like, I actually want to have a try at, um, uh, at singing. I, I, to express yourself, to get those demons out. To, it was something that you 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 lean towards. I really loved performance in high school and I really loved the aesthetic of everything and just uh, being able to breathe life into lyrics that you might have written just in a diary somewhere on a scrap of paper and then you fast forward to when you're in the recording process and been able to layer it up and, and really craft on what you're doing and the message you want to portray and then eventually being up on stage uh, having people with their fists in the air screaming along to a sentiment that you wrote down on that scrap of paper all that time ago. It's a very cathartic thing, and I, I enjoy it, and I give it 10 out of 10 every time I play. So for you, is it kind of like, I'm getting like it's a very kind of live thing for you. That's really a, a, a majority of the appeal for you. Oh, of course. Um, I, you know, it's, it's like eating. When you eat food, the food is only relevant and the taste buds and that while it's in your mouth. So I, I like that approach with the aggressive music as well. It's a very visceral thing, and... I need the audience feedback while I'm doing it and I like it to be out there. And even in the recording process, I want it to have a live vibe, a rawness, a viciousness to what I'm doing. Let's talk a bit about Prog first before we get into the album. Um, like, How did you guys get involved in Prog first? I'm always a bit fascinated by that. Well, I think it's like with any gig, if there's an interest there and if it's especially if it's your hometown as Sydney is... Um, then people do reach out and, and see if that you're interested in playing. And also it helps that we've got our, I guess, boss, if you like, um, uh, Robin and her boys in the ocean, uh, that we're on the same label as them uh, with Pelagic Records in Berlin. They're one of the, the main acts on the day, so it makes sense to have us on there. And also we, we do quite well in Sydney and we're very happy with the people that turn up to the shows. And I think with the kind of the way that the lineup is, we're more one of the... I guess, um, aggressive bands that will be on the roster for the day. A lot of these uh, bands are going to be taking you down a rabbit hole of instrumentals and things. So it's good to get a kick in the face in between that for the lineup of the day. Is there any other bands that you're interested in seeing who are playing apart from yourselves? 
I really want to see the ocean again, just because when you do see it, they really uh, submerge you in what they're doing. It's a full-on experience with all the projecting and um, the way that they govern themselves on stage. Uh, I'm not so much an instrumental kind of guy, probably because I'm uh, just a bit focused on the vocal side of stuff. So I'm going to always lean towards that and the human element of what you're watching. But, um, you know, there's some great bands and I think it's very well represented with the talent that's going on in Australia right now, not just in the sort of the proggy stuff, but alternative music in general. So I, I feel there's a bit of a renaissance happening in Australian metal these days. So the support's growing and I'm really happy to see more people go and spend their hard-earned money on live music rather than just sit at home and Netflix and chill. Like with you playing a show, I think you've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what is it that you are trying to do when you're on stage? To me, I've wrote those songs, like I've wrote the lyrics, I've wrote the message. I want to inhabit the mystique of what I'm writing about, of the aggression of these characters of the Judas Steer and of uh, the Locust Christ and what I go on about in Vestigial as a concept. I don't really like this Australian mentality of picking on someone that's having a go or that's going full out, like as if it's, oh, he looks like he's trying. That seems a very backwards thing for me. Like, why would you bother learning all that stuff? Why would you put your heart and soul into something if you weren't going to give it your all when you're on stage? I don't hold back and I, I would really like to see other acts not do that as well. I think that's a sort of perfect segue into the your last album, Vestigial. When you first start working on that, um, coming off, I think you've been coming off the previous EP, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah. Well, you know, life gets in the way. Um, we do have families, we do have jobs, so there is a bit of a, a, a cooling off period between releases. And uh, that was my first attempt with Low as, as a vocalist. So I was, you know, doing justice to their previous material live, but also wanting to put my own stamp on, like stylistically, of, of where it was going to be and give it that raw live aggression and the over-the-top the over the top theatrics that I, I hopefully am known for. And with, yeah, with Orca and the film clip and stuff, it was just a really nice way of, of sort of an introduction to, to the band and, and what direction we were going for. Uh, then fast forward to Vestigial, we had a we had a very clear idea between Carl and I of uh, keywords and, and concepts and visuals that were going to be going along with the whole package, and it just was a, quite an organic process between all the members of sending in their stuff over email and jamming it out and making sure that we were ready to be able to go into um, recording process with no sort of dead weight and making sure that we had everything refined. Let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into how you kind of approach the vocal aspects of it. To, to a large extent, a lot of bands lay down the music before vocals come in, or there's kind of a they're laying down the vocals and music at the same time. But there's often a kind of reliance on the music existing in some form uh, before that. So, f- bare bones of a song are emerging. W- where do you come into that? To be fair, I let Carl and uh, Griff do most of the musical stuff, like without my interference. Um, I might just hint at certain ideas that are floating in my head that I've got penned on paper that I'd like it to embody or, you know, inspire in some way. 
but I leave all the music stuff up to them and then I, I end up getting uh, usually quite quickly a large Bible worth of songs in my inbox that I have to filter through and I prefer it to be working on those at home in my own privacy, um, just penning out phrases. And I'll often record stuff because I live in the state, I live in Melbourne. So I do that at a private studio down here. And then I will go and uh, do live recordings with Carl. So he's masters the helm of all our recordings and, uh, you know, not just saving money, but also it's great to have a member uh, be so into the production side of his own songs. So we managed to capture that, that uh, aggression that we we're after um, that we might have just been dreaming up in, in the jam room. So you, you've got, you've got like a, a song, you're like thinking about certain ways to approach it. What are you drawing from the music and how does that kind of inform like the, the vocals that you're kind of trying to come up with? Is there, I don't know. Is there like, do you have techniques? Do you have a process? Anything like that? Yeah, um, anthems, to be fair. Like, it's corny as that sounds. I think um, even though we're in a niche genre of music, um, I don't I don't need to alienate it even further by not having actual songs, like actual grooves in there. So I, I strive to have massive anthems that are aggressive and about, you know, gross content, but actually say something, actually stick in the audience's head after they leave the gig. So I do have lots of hooks in mind when I'm writing this stuff. Uh, I always make sure that I have the play on words and the, the strong, aggressive sentiment that I want to say about whatever topic the song's going to be about. But I, I want to deliver it where it's catchy, where it niggles away inside your head. And, and where the lyrics come uh, come from that? Do you have like um, concepts in mind, themes in mind, before you kind of bring that to the music? Of course. Of course, I have entire books at home, journals full of exactly which way that I want it to go for that album, at least lyrically, like the music's up to the boys, but what's going to be screaming out of my mouth, uh, the sentiment of an insane preacher at the pulpit sort of moments is uh, everything that I've been researching for up to, say, a year before the re- uh, the recording process happens. Mm, that, that, that's I find that really interesting. What what goes into that? There is it like from yourself? Is it from I know other sources of inspiration? What informs that kind of text? Well, you can't the, you can't the, help but put your own marks of your like your own self into the song, even if you're talking about a world political view. It's going to be from your point of view. So it's you've got to be able to dive in there but also have what makes you unique inside there as well uh i'm constantly reading i'm constantly looking at headlines not often for an entire article more just a a, a little string of words that i think really sticks with me and affects me and i will write that in the notes in my mobile phone i'll write that in my little diary that i carry around i'll take a screenshot from an art gallery. I'll, I'll do a whole bunch of stuff to always be open to be stimulated by what's going on. And I'm really interested in the themes of uh, lies and of, I guess, the power play of what you can do when people have got their heads down in their devices. Like it's quite easy to pull the wool over someone's eyes if they're constantly distracted or they're constantly being fed mediocrity. Um, that's a, like a very universal thing that affects the West. So I'm very interested in that. And uh, it's it's the way that you spin it and you can do it with some very, you know, 
floral arrangement. So you can do it with some extremely nasty, vicious venom. But um, I, I really look forward to the process of writing new stuff uh, because of that, because it keeps my brain fresh and I'm constantly looking at the world to find little tidbits of valuable lyric content. It's interesting you say that because the last, I don't know, several years in particular are quite key for those two kind of concepts, lies and uh, digital distraction. Yeah. It's, mm. um, it's become like, you know, the, the gesture is now the king. That is the way I see the politics of the world at the moment. And these monsters like King Jong-il and all that stuff, these are, these are monsters of people's own making. They don't just arrive from nowhere. They, they are here through ignorance. They are here through com- contemplating uh, your emotions and, and your morals. And this is where we end up. And it's almost like, are we surprised? Like, are we that shocked that it ends up this way? Uh, things like the Judas steer that I talk about and the locust Christ inside the lyrical content of this digital are direct like, metaphors for all this. I think I've seen you, you maybe mentioned earlier, um, them as characters, which is kind of interesting because obviously a lot of lyrics have characters, but I don't get see many people talking about characters a lot. What, what, what is it that kind of makes you formulate it more specifically as characters? I think it's just a lot more linear and a more, more like impacting if you, people can visualize what's going on like sure bring your own meanings to things but like these are clear concepts that i i hope are hard hitting and i love the imagery involved and the imagination that goes into it and also the poignancy of what's being said so uh i encourage most people out there to if you're going to create something really put some passion into it don't just be like that sounds a bit creepy or that sounds a bit gory i'm just going to whack it over the top of someone's hard-earned riff like Really, really put yourself in there so you can be noted for what you do and you're not just another blob in amongst the music.
do kind of a couple other questions. Um, you also joined Hadel Moore, uh, I think it was back in 2016. Um, talk a little bit about yep. your experience in that band as well. But it's a completely different um, kettle of fish to the dynamic, uh, but it is the same effect of when I get sent, I get sent basically a large uh, amount of material that I am going to have to uh, translate, I guess, because it is quite technical. It is pretty full on uh, in the death metal context and place my my lyrical content straight over the top and then recorded it next to the guitarist. So same deal again. We've got one of the key writers that's a guitarist uh, that is going to be keeping our production costs down but also has the inside view of a learning process of doing all the releases uh, in his bedroom doing you know his production work and he's learnt along the way and it's made it more aggressive and more personal I think. Um, Nick does a lot of the artwork for Hadel Moore so it's a really nice little thing. He's been able to utilize what you have in your own in your own little cottage of, of talent. Uh Hadelmore's, yeah, far more uh technical and aggressive band compared to Low. Uh not as not heavier or not heavier. I think heavier is like more a subjective thing. Uh that they definitely got their their perks of being violent and hard hitting, especially in the live front. Um, the drums are a bit more out there in Hadel and the guitars having the two guitars and stuff. It's a bit of an assault on the senses. Now, being a vocalist, um, them being not similar bands, but bands operating in kind of similar spheres, how, how do you approach those two differently, vocally and lyrically? Uh, lyrically with Hadel more, it's more, uh, it's more like a free flow of, a wordplay and of uh, you know, metaphors that I'm going to be doing uh, to visualize the kind of chaos that's been presented to me. Like it is really all over the place. It's um, it's like bottled lightning. Um, and I, I guess there's a freedom in technical death metal to be more cartoonish, to be full on and exaggerated. Like you're able to make things like you don't even have to sound human if you don't want to, as long as it's going to slot in and not alienate the riffs, then I think your job's done. Like be consistent in your, in your freakishness. Don't be afraid to experiment with your voice. Like I, I get more of an interest for Hadel Moore doing uh, vocals that, come from performances in like from villains in movies and cartoons and organic animal sounds. And I find that if you're truer to your voice's natural sort of weirdness, then you're going to go uh, way more monstrous and impacting than trying to mimic the roars of screams of existing death metal dudes. So put more of yourself into what you're doing and just be consistent with your delivery. Uh, and in terms of those bands, I think you released, uh, Oh God. I'm totally blanking on when you released Om. Was it was it 2017, 2018? Yeah, I think it was. It was in February. It was either in yeah. I'm trying. It's all muddling together. We've done a few now. Um, yeah, it's about. It's only about a year and a half, two years old. So um, it was like a massive experiment, and uh, we enjoyed just going super duper over the top with the layering and the atmosphere building. So even though it is death metal, we try and give it that sort of movie cinema, cinematic vibe of open spaces and really teasing out the riffs and solos, not so you're just bludgeoned with the same one over the over the top of each other. 
And and what what are you what's the band up to? Uh, both bands up to at the moment? Is there any are you taking a break? Is there any sort of material you're working on at the moment? What what's what's happening? Well, currently Low is is uh, formulating I guess album number four it would be, um, and uh, that'll be coming out later on this year. So we're already in the early writing stages of that, and currently I'm sitting here uh, drawing merch, drawing up merch designs that are going to accompany that release. Um, as for Hayden Moore, I'm uh, not sure when this episode will air, but I would say what's going to be happening is that I'll be in Europe uh, doing 22 shows in 22 days uh, with Psychroptic, uh, Hayden Moore and Aversion's Crown. So that's going to be a massive uh, road trip and it'll be full on. It'll be a boot camp, um, especially doing that vocal performance every single night. But uh, I'm very looking forward to it, and it's uh, been about a year since I was in Europe uh, with Lowe, so um, I'm really looking forward to seeing some new faces and some old friends. Mm, and so with Lowe uh, previously, did you do this kind of widespread tour? Uh, yeah, I've, I've done I've done about 20-odd uh, shows in Europe with the boys, which was also pretty full-on as a schedule. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was our their first headlining tour of Europe. Uh, we were played a whole bunch of very weird places, like got almost to the border of Russia and we were playing in Romania in small club shows and doing sold-out shows in London. And, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, uh, you know, we really, uh, by the end of it, you're, you're very fine-tuned of what you're doing because you're, you're trying to do your best and win over new audiences every single night uh, amongst also running a van and getting your merch out there each night. Mm, that's really, really exciting. Um, I want to ask you a couple of more personal questions. Uh, doing a little perus- uh, perusal of social media, if I'm not mistaken, you're a, a snake handler, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm a snake keeper. Um, yeah, I've got a, a, a woma python at the moment. A Paloma the woma is her name, and uh, she's a lovely scaly bundle of joy that I keep at my house. Uh yeah, I've always had reptiles in my life uh, ever since I was about five or six. Uh, and I, I've just loved the primitiveness of them and, and the purity of them being what they are as, as great survivors. On the more musical side, like when do you first start and get into heavy music and what attracted you to it? Um, I didn't actually really like music much as growing up until I was about, say, oh, would have been 13 or so. Um I never really listened to it. I spent most of my youth looking for snakes and lizards and frogs and turtles uh, out in the national park where I lived uh, in New South Wales. And uh, it wasn't until uh, I stumbled across a couple of video clips on Rage, I think it was, of Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson that I really got into the the visual impact and and the ferocity that went into these live shows and and the theatrical quality of it. And the first gig I went to see was actually Alice Cooper uh, on the Brutally Live tour that he did out at the old Telestra Superdome. And I was just transfixed. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought to myself, I could do that. I've always loved a flair for theatrics and and aggression and the art that goes with it. And these people even act like kind of like reptilian stuff. So I was, I just threw myself into it and a couple of, you know, bad haircuts and uh, cringeworthy uh, EPs that never saw the light a day later and now I get to tour the world doing what I love and being like a lizard on stage but screaming my head off. <laughs> yeah, I did see in, uh, I think it was a, 
I think it was Christina in the Void did an interview with you, and you described as a as reptilian. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the eyes. I think my eyes are a little bit too big for my head, and I think um, my body's a little bit too broken to look normal anymore. So um, I'm quite happy with that tag. There's better. There's worse things you could be called than a lizard. So um, yeah, as, as long as it's uh, as impacting for people and they they're either you know horrified or. Well, mesmerized by it, it's better than them being complacent and apathetic about it. And last question, what have you been listening to, watching or reading lately? Uh, look, I've, I've, I try not to watch too much crap if I can get away with it. Um, I've, I've got into reading amongst the cannibals, among the cannibals, sorry, um, which is about, uh, I guess, the history of cannibalism in human culture, like from religious points of view, from tribal points of view, from artistic and film sort of points of view, which is very interesting. Uh, I've been watching the documentary Gods in Shackles, which is a very depressing uh, film about uh, the trade and the hypocrisy of Asian elephants in India, of what they used under the guise of the religious ceremonies, but really it's just for tourism, so quite heartbreaking but some amazing visuals and and uh great imagery and and lines to be used in lyrics and to get it impacting and really hit the heartstrings uh i i just listen to things like an al nasrak's latest album i quite enjoy cult leader of course i think that's a blistering aggressive release uh sumaru in australia i absolutely love their latest release and uh quite into Daughter's latest release as well. So there's a, some amazing homegrown stuff that's coming out, not just on the international front. So I just hope people just keep going 110% in their releases and and keep making this aggressive music because I don't think it's metal is just summed up into one lump thing. There's just so many genres and it seems to be a new one being created every five minutes. So I'm glad that people even though there is no money in it, still manage to pull themselves away from their phones and create something in their heads and so they can play it live and, and get us to expel those demons.